All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A tremendous Thursday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show and up to the Sports Leader, TSN 1260, presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca. Tonight, hey, someone shoots, they score, you can win. Place a bet in your favorite uh, NHL team at playalberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website. Can the Panthers get back in the series, or will Vegas become only the second team since the 1980s to go up 3 nothing in the Stanley Cup Final? Wasn't that long ago. Tampa did it in 2021, but it's rare. It's rare to go up three nothing in the Stanley Cup final. So, actually, uh, that's not true because uh, Colorado swept Florida the last time in 1996. Bad memory. So there you go. Um, the uh, NHL media stats—they uh, might have overlooked that one. So, doesn't happen very often. And. You know, Vegas is saying all the right things today. We know we're expecting their biggest, toughest game, which is true. But I, I, I'm always a tad taken aback on that statement when you're in the Stanley Cup final. Do you not think that Florida wanted to give their best effort in game one and game two? It just didn't happen, especially game two. Uh, game one was close. Game one was very close. But game two, I thought, was just an old-fashioned butt-kicking by the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, last night, uh, Miami could not get it done. As you saw history, if you were watching the NBA final last night, the first player ever, ever in NBA finals history to score over 30 points, have 20 rebounds, and 10 assists. Mr. Jokic, 32 points, 21 boards, 10 apples. Jeez, what a game. And how about Jamal Murray, the Canadian? 34 points, 10 boards, 10 assists, teammates with triple doubles. Crazy. Uh, Jamal Murray becomes the first player since Magic Johnson in 1991 to start the first three games of the NBA Finals with 10 assists in each of the first three games. And like Jamal Murray, a few years ago in the bubble, everyone's like, wow, this guy's really coming on. Then, of course, he got injured. But you look at him now, like he's a legit superstar. And in the NBA, you need two of them to win. They have two in Denver. 
And right, like, I know that Miami won game two, and that's awesome, but to, uh, to see what Denver is doing now, man, it is, uh, they're, they're good. And they're all under contract. They're a young team. Like, they're going to be good for, uh, for quite some time. And they're fun to watch. They are fun to watch. So, see how it, uh, rolls along. But, uh, Jimmy Butler and the Heat, I would expect them to be a little bit better, but I'm just, I'm not sure how much better they can be. I, I thought game two was like the perfect game for them. And if you have to play the perfect game to win, that's really difficult to do. Um, the Panthers, do they have to play the perfect game to beat the Golden Knights? I don't think they have to be perfect, but they have to be very consistent. Uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk's got to stay out of the penalty box, although let's be honest, the amount of 10-minute misconducts that were handed out in game two was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. You you had misconducts handed out. Like stop trying. Oh, oh geez, we're getting too much emotion in the game. Geez, these guys are really scrumming it up here. We could have some real problems. Oh, I know the solution. Let's get everybody tens. What? Come on now, give me a break. So, especially because Matthew Kachuk on Jack Eichel, that's a clean hit, and I love Jack Eichel's response after the game. Yeah, hey man, and he, I kind of put myself in that position. He did. He lost his balance. What's Kachuk supposed to do? Nothing. That was a, as clean of a hit as you can get. So hopefully it's not, uh, you know, Oprah Winfrey handing out 10-minute misconducts tonight. That would be uh, that would be ideal as far as uh, game interaction goes. Hey, Gregor, hopefully the NHL will be like that. Two superstars, the orders would win. Yeah, not that easy. But, hey, you do need superstars to win in the NHL. Right? Like Alex Petrangelo was, you know, a really good defenseman when St. Louis won. I think some people forget that. Like, Petrangelo is really good. You look at Vegas now. Petrangelo is still there. Right? Now, Jack Eichel, is a, he hasn't been the dominant guy. Part of that has to do with the uh, the neck injury uh, coming back from that. But Jack Eichel is a pretty good player. Right? Vegas has lots of really good ones. So you don't necessarily need, and obviously, hey, having McDavid and Drysaddle doesn't guarantee you success. But you need some guys. Like, I look at that Vegas team. I think Alex Petrangelo, when his career is over, is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Not not like an automatic, but I think it could be. And Jack Eichel's still young. He's still young. Tw- 26 is not old. Jack Eichel has another decade of being really good. He'll put himself in that conversation. Right? Like I don't think Mark Stone is, personally for me. I don't view him as a Hall of Famer. But I do think Petrangelo will, uh, will be a Hall of Famer. You look at uh, Florida's team, you know, I think Barkoff. Uh, is going to be a guy that goes in the hall when his career's over. Matthew Kachuk, he's playing like this. It's probably a no-brainer that he's going in. So, you know, you got some guys. You got some, you have to have some really elite players. The NBA is a little bit different, though, because, A, you have a shorter bench. B, you, your key guys can touch the ball every time up the floor if you want. And they're playing, for the most part, like 40 minutes, sometimes more. So you're just like you look at Connor McDavid. As great as he is, Connor McDavid's playing 22 minutes a night. Right? He might play 35 percent of the game. Nobody's like he's not getting up to 40 very often. So that's that's a challenge. Right? It, it's harder. You it's harder to make the impact in that situation. Right? He's got to play 24 minutes a night every night, and he doesn't do that. He does it some nights. But 24 minutes a night, that'd be 40% of the game. You know, your superstars in the NBA, man, we're talking you know, 80% plus come playoff time. So it's just it's a different sport when it comes to uh, to what you need, for sure. On the uh, show today, the uh, con man back at uh, TSN headquarters has uh, lined up a, a great show for us. Uh, Gazzola will be by. Uh, ben Gotts will get the uh, Vegas side of things. Uh, Mark Zacchino uh, will talk more. About uh, the, it was interesting coming out today, and you're reading some quotes about how you know, you know, Greg. Did you see Greg Norman? Now, nah, Liv is still going to function. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I will say this: the thing that might have stood out to me the most is that the PGA is a non-for-profit. Pardon? Yes, they are. I learned that today. I did not know that. I was just like blown away. I'm like, what? So, 
I don't know. We'll, we'll get more from Mark Zucchino on that. Uh, Rashog will be by. Uh, Andy Petrillo, of course. Uh, we'll talk uh, lots of, of soccer. Uh, Derek Moncrief will uh, join us. The Elks and the Rough Riders. Sunday at Commonwealth. Also, uh, you want to go see the Stingers game. It's almost sold out again, man. The Stingers are doing an awesome job. And fans are loving it. It's fun. If you haven't been, I recommend it. I recommend it. The endings are great, right? The, the new, now it's not new. It's been around for a few years, but for some people, you know, obviously during COVID, you weren't allowed in. They're in the bubble. No one's watching. But I love how in their game, when you get to the final four minutes, so the first stoppage, once the clock ticks past down, four minutes to go in the second, uh, in the, in the final quarter, second half. At that point, whatever the score is, let's just say it's easy. It's 80 to 78. Now you play first team to get to 89 wins. Whatever the team leading is, you add nine points to them. Whoever gets to that point total first wins a game. Some people don't like it. It's new. It's different. But I will say it really changes how the last four minutes of a game are played. It's not just a foul rama sending guys to the free throw line at both ends back and forth, which kind of gets a little tiring, let's be honest. There's not timeouts every time you're going up the court. I like that. Got to think a little bit more on your feet. It's fun. It's entertaining. And $5 beers. You get $5 chicken wings and fries, $3 hot dog. Great family pricing. No parking. I should say no cost for parking. There's lots of parking. You just don't pay for it. So uh, we'll give some tickets if you want to go to the uh, Stingers a little bit uh, later on today. Uh, Struddy, as always, of course, will be by. We'll get to your text at 10 12 60. You can dial us up at triple four twelve sixty. Email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Jay Gregor at TSN 1260.ca. Also, um, so yesterday was part one at ordersnation.com, and today was a uh, part two of a, of a series on McDavid and Dry Settle. And so yesterday in part one, I focused on, you know, their five on five, uh, time on ice and production. Well, I started off about the Vegas series because, you know, a lot of people wanted to, um, to talk about, how, you know, well, the orders, they gotta, you gotta roll four lines against Vegas. And if you actually break down the teams when it came to minutes played at five on five, really the difference was Kane, Dreisel, and McDavid played about two minutes more than Barbashev, Eichel, and Marshall, so. And then at the bottom, Amadeo, Carrier, and Kolasar played two minutes more than Kossin, Yanmark, and Bukestad on average. That was the difference. Right, so it wasn't like Vegas rolled four lines way more. It was we're talking the difference of Edmonton's best guys played a little bit more than Vegas's best guys, and Edmonton outshot them, they outchanced them, but they also had more giveaways and more costly turnovers at inopportune times, and that's what cost them the series. So I, I you know, I was looking at Drysdale McDavid, and you know, because there's lots of talk. Hey, should they play fewer minutes, and is that an issue? So. I, I broke it down, and uh, I went in, in part number one, you know, where guys rank when it comes to uh, time on ice per uh, per game and where they and, and points per sixty. And because if you just do points and a guy plays way more, well, obviously he's going to have more points on average, you would think. So I broke it all down, and really, I'll say this: I if you're just looking at five on five minutes, McDavid and Drysaddle aren't in a, in a massive stratosphere ahead of everybody else. They do, McDavid, um, this past season, uh, him and Drysaddle were both in the top four in, in total minutes played. And there were some people, and today I got into it, about because people are like, wow, they're power play. The worst suggestion anyone can make is that the Edmonton Orders should lower their power play minutes for their top guys. It's asinine, and here's why. So Connor McDavid, 71 power play points last year. Leon Drysaddle was second with 62. Right, then you had Kucherov, and I went through, and I only, and I didn't have Ryan Nugent Hopkins in this because I was using the top 25 scores in the NHL at five on five points. So then I wanted to look as, hey, there's your guy, top scores five on five. Molson play the most minutes. Now Nugent Hopkins is the exception because of how good he is on the Oilers power play, right? So he jumps in. A lot of these other guys, where they rank on the power play is kind of where they rank. But if you look at their power play numbers, and if you look at the most power play points, and, and you see guys like Kucherov. So he's at 50 points. And he played seven more power play minutes than McDavid. And McDavid had 21 more power play points than him. Matthew Kachuk played the most power play minutes of any forward last year at 350. 
He had 36 points. Leon Dreisaitl played 316. So Leon Dreisaitl played 34 fewer minutes, 33 actually, if you go by seconds, 33 fewer minutes than Kachuk. And he had 62 points to Kachuk's 36. So you're getting significantly more production in actual less time. Why would you be taking them off the power play? That is the one place I am not, t- I don't, I'm not concerned about it. You're talking the greatest power play the league's ever seen. And you want to take the minutes because you want your second guys to get cookies? Give me a break. No offense. But I do believe the coach heading, well, it's going to be, a, I think it's two parts here for next season for the orders when it comes to McDavid and Drysaddle. Both of them said after the playoffs, we beat ourselves too often. And, and here's the one thing that has been the most common theme for the Edmonton owners. It really hasn't changed since McDavid and Drysaddle arrived, and it was just as bad before. From 2008 until now, that's a pretty long time. That's 15 years. The Edmonton owners have been terrible five-on-five goals against. The first year of McDavid, now he's a rookie, they finished 30th. Not great. Now, 2017, you remember that? They made the playoffs. They moved up to ninth. That's the only time in the mcdavid Drysaddle era the Oilers have been in the top half of the league. Even even get to 15th and 16th. Only time they've been in the top half when it comes to goals against 5-on-5. Five five. It is the number one area that this team has to improve. So I don't, don't talk about bottom six depth or whatever. It's goals against and if you look at this past season amongst the top 25 players when i went by points then i looked at their possession numbers and defense and everything else and guess what out of the top 25 dry was 24th in goal four percentage mcdavid was uh was 21st all right not good enough now and some people say well what about their goal 10 and everything else okay well then let's look at it now dry he had an 894 five save percentage so not great he also took a lot of defensive zone starts which can matter it's a little bit easier to get scored on if you start in your defensive zone but not always a guarantee all right and by the way matthew kachuk who had the uh, fourth highest goals for percentage at 64 he was on for 89 goals for 50 goals against he only had a 907 save percentage he wasn't getting stellar goaltending he had a 10.65 on a save percentage it, it wasn't dominant Decent, but not dominant by any stretch. Right? He was plus 39, 5 on 5. McDavid was plus 13, Drysaddle was plus 4. Now you can go down the list and you can see the article at OrdersNation.com. But when it comes to change next year, I think it's twofold. I think it's the Orders players who talked about their need to be better defensively. And I think when it comes to Jay Woodcroft, I believe a slight reduction. I'm not talking a lot. McDavid could be down one full minute per game in total ice time, and he would still be the third highest uh, forward in, in TOI per game. He doesn't need to go any lower than that. And so even if you're just talking, and because if you're lowering McDavid and Drysaddle at 5-on-5, five five, that means you're lowering your, your first and second lines. Right? Because they don't play that much together, and they shouldn't next year. So that's a way, to, whether it's on the penalty kill, or on the five-on-five, five, that's how you get your bottom six guys more involved. Not a massive reduction. We don't need McDavid and Drysaddle down two minutes a game. There's no need. Lots of other guys are right around there, and the production is fine. But it's going to be a commitment and a willingness to be better defensively. So that's on the players. They're the ones that said it, not me. You heard it. Drysaddle, McDavid, Hyman, Ekholm, all of them. They all said the same thing, and that's your leaders. So if it's going to change, you can't expect it all to change in the bottom six and just have your top six guys. No, it's got to change there. It's been the one thing that has not improved in the mcdavid Subtle era. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care who's in your bottom six. I don't care who's your, your top six complimentary wingers. Here's the order's ranking, five on five goals against from 2016 to last year. 30th, 9th, 26th, 24th, 26th, 21st, 19th, and this past year, 17th. So there's an improvement. At least they're going in the right direction the last four years, 26, 21, 19, 17. they got to get to top 10. That has to be the goal in the regular season of this team. 
Now, if you want to play, and I, I was looking at all the players' minutes. Kachuk's minutes are up in the playoffs. Lots of guys' minutes are up. Some of it has to do with overtime, no question. No question. But when you look at overall, I believe next year the change, and it's minor for the time on ice, but the bigger change is going to have to be the commitment to defense from the team. And it's got to start with those two guys. And I think the reason why it will be easier for Woodcroft to maybe lower it by a minute per game is it's more taxing to play sound defensively. More stops and starts. you got to win more battles. you got to be in the battle more. That's going to be the uh, the test. And when you watch the regular season, I honestly, I don't, I don't even want to talk about anything else almost. Because if the orders don't improve defensively 5-on-5 five five in the regular season, it's not going to magically happen in the playoffs. Right? It's not going to magically happen. Quick break. We'll return on Empton Sports Leader TSN 1260. We continue on Empton Sports Leader TSN 1260. How are you? Jason Greger. Connor Halley with you. Strouds will be by at uh, 3 o'clock as it's time for the Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical as they have the whole new solar division, both commercial and residential. If you're thinking about getting on your residence, be sure that uh, you get the $5,600 in, uh, in grant free money from the government of Canada. Check it out. The, they will give you all the details at actionelectrical.net as uh, Tom Gazzola joins us. TG, how are you? Greg's. Uh, it's beautiful outside. Birds are chirping. No complaints, man. I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm looking forward to the game tonight. Let's go, baby. Um, we'll get to sports in a second. Um, did you ever have a trampoline as a kid? <laughs> no. Why? What's going on with trampolines? Well, we got uh, got a trampoline to set it up today for uh, for my son, and um, he's pretty fired up. And we got it with the, the basketball hoop on it, though it's not really a basketball; it's like a volleyball basketball that they play with on it. And uh, I'm just looking at it out the window, waiting for him to come home from school. He'll be all fired up to see it when he comes home. And I was just wondering, like, what was one of the favorite? And I don't even know if he because it's not a toy. But, no. um, like, I never had a trampoline, but my buddies had one, and then I loved it. Like, loved it. And so I just, uh, the hours spent on a trampoline. Now, back then, there was not the side covers that they have now. Unfortunately, you know, we had a few situations where someone would double bounce you, and it ended up going <laughs> over the neighbor's fence, which, uh, which didn't feel very good. But, man, the uh, the trampoline, as I look at it, I just think of the the fun times as a youth. So other than your bike... What was your best thing that you spent time on as a, as a kid, like, you know, 10 to 15? Yeah. Well, okay, so now you're going to be known as the house with the trampoline or one of the houses with the trampoline. And you always knew the kids that had the trampoline at their place, and you wanted to get a little bit of trampoline time when, over, when you went over to their place. So now that's going to be a distinction at your place. And then also there was the people that had the pool. And in the back of you, your mind, you always knew who had the pools, and uh, you would always wonder, hey, are we going in the pool today if we're coming to hang out? And trampoline was in as part of that. Or you always knew who had the best street hockey set up because uh, growing up, and, and I know a lot of the newer developments uh, don't have the back alleys, but if you went to someone's house with a good back alley that didn't have a lot of traffic, you could set up two nets and have a big game. So I always thought of it like that. It was the best for street hockey, uh, and then it was who had the back, uh, the backyard trampoline and then who had the pool. And you always weighed your options that way. And if the weather was bad, who had the best uh, video game system? That's how I looked my friends and categorized which place I wanted to go hang out with most. And uh, we went from there. I think that's a fair assessment, no? No, hey, no, I think that it's fair. Like, there's certain places. Well, hey, I know kids will tell you that, you know, the houses where the parents aren't around and you can get away with stuff, people like to gravitate towards them too. So, True. Um, you know, I, my, my wife and I, our whole goal is to be like, hey, have a place, a house where your, 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 your son's friends like to come. You know, I don't want to be buddy buddies with them at all, but I'd like them to feel comfortable here. And, but also they don't get away with murder, right? Like, so right. it's kind of how it goes. So. No, that's fair. We sh- totally we fair. We shall see. Now, let's uh, let's move on to the Stanley Cup final tonight. To me, it just seems inevitable. Now, do I think Florida is going to win one of these two games in Florida? I do. And it might be tonight. Right? Like, it, it very well could be tonight. It's hard to go up 3 nothing. That's what history tells us. It's very difficult to do. So could, could Florida win tonight? I won't be surprised. But I just – give me a reason, Tom, why you think – Florida could actually make this a series and win four or five. Do you think, or is the series essentially over just whether it's over in four, fives, or six is really the question. 
Okay, uh, a reason why they could make it a series, and it has to start with a win tonight. This is uh, their first home game, Stanley Cup final home game. I think it's like in 27 years. Uh, they're they're counting down the dates. I know the league sends us a bunch of information every morning, and uh, I, I think yeah. So so they're going to be ramped up. Uh, people in South of Florida are going to be uh, behind the Panthers. You're going to get that little burst, and I think this is the one game where the Panthers are going to come out with the best start, best gusto. And this will be the the game that determines whether or not we've got a a bit of a series or if the Golden Knights are just going to steamroll Florida. I still think that Vegas, once it handles that first 10, 15-minute wave from the Florida Panthers, they will be able to dictate and determine the rest of the game. So uh, if Florida gets off to a good start, backed by the crowd, motivated to get back in the series and does get to Aiden Hill and finds a way to get one or two by him, then I think we have a series. Greg's, if they get a one nothing lead and we're going into the second period and you start to feel that momentum shift back in favor of the Golden Knights, who will continue to ground and pound, come after them in wave after wave, and if, if Vegas can reset the course to their style of game, I think it's an inevitability that the Golden Knights win this game and uh, lock it up in either uh, four or five. So it has to be a great start from the Panthers. Make sure you harness that energy in the building and then use that motivation to get back in the series. And I think we're going to know by the you know the 10-15 minute mark of the first period if this is going to be a Panthers game or if the Golden Knights are going to make it a 3 nothing series lead. I do think that the you know Kachuk's got to get back focused more. And hey, I have no problem playing physical, but and I didn't like the the second ten minute misconduct that he that he was given um, because he's got two now. But in game two, like after that hit, that should not that's not on him. But he's being too involved in you know penalties and other stuff. Got to be. I know he has two goals, but the second goal, let's be honest, it was whatever. It was game was over at that point. Yeah. If Florida's going to go anywhere, he's got to get going. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he's been a catalyst, and he was just a monster in that series against Carolina. But, Greg, if if the Golden Knights are, are playing their cards right and they get under the skin of Matthew Kinchuk, you can flip him into getting off his game and being a, a bit of an idiot on the ice. And, you know, he has that penchant for doing it uh, when he gets flustered or he thinks he needs to go over and above what he's capable of doing without the stupid stuff. And, Listen, this is a superstar player, but he does have that dark side or whatever you want to call it. And if Vegas can get to him and to get him to do and run around and be stupid, that's advantage Vegas. And so it's up to Matthew Kachuk to harness that energy in a positive way and to maintain discipline. And I don't know if it's Paul Maurice that has to get into his ear or one of his teammates that needs to be in his ear, but um, you know, this is where you guys, they have to hold each other accountable. The guys on the team have to hold each other accountable and not let it slip away and not let the Golden Knights have man advantage opportunities. Don't take 10-minute misconducts. I know that, you know, like you said, the second one was dumb and then it was whatever, but uh, you've already got Matthew Kachuk on edge, and if you get him off his rocker, I know that the Panthers do have a lot of good players, but that could be a key to success for Vegas is to, to get the, to those guys and make them do stupid stuff and even extend that to, to Sam Bennett, Greg's because he's capable of falling into that trap as well. Sometimes he gets over rambunctious and, and puts himself into bad spots and then ultimately his team into bad spots. So if you can find ways to pester those two and get them off their game and, and get them into doing stupid things, that's an advantage for Vegas. Tom Gazzola joins us, Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Uh, interesting, Tommy, uh, that Tom Brady, switching uh, gears here, is uh, he's filming uh, uh, the uh, anti-gambling PSA for NFL internal use because there's another investigation about the uh, NFL players. Obviously, it's something that you know the NFL is taking very serious, and they want their guys to understand it more. Yeah, uh, this comes on the heels of uh, Isaiah Rogers with the Colts. And listen, this isn't this isn't a little slap on the wrist type of thing. Like, there's already three other players that are facing; they're going to miss this upcoming season uh, due to gambling. And you know, these guys they admit their wrongdoing, and it's easy to go on your phone and place bets and little ones here and there. But like Pete Rose is still in in you know baseball purgatory, right? Like they're 
is a reason why these leagues take this stuff so seriously. And gambling on your own sport when you're an active player in the league is, is a mega no-no. And uh, I don't know what the outcome will be for Rodgers, but it's gotten to the point now where uh, the league is trying to find ways to make sure these guys understand that, that you can't gamble uh, on the NFL. And they figure that a good way to approach it is to, to go to Tom Brady, who is the GOAT, and all these Young players in the league obviously look up to him because of, you know, two decades as a superstar quarterback. And so, you know, good on Brady. And it's also something that speaks to how important the integrity of the game is and and the NFL, too, walking a fine line. Every sports league, to be honest with you, walking a fine line, being involved with all these betting sites and uh, apps and all that. So, uh, we're watching the tap dance happen in the biggest league in the world, and it's very, very interesting to see how the NFL is going to approach this. And Roger Goodell and the staff there think that getting Tom Brady on board to record a message that they can use internally to, to send to all these players when they go into their camps uh, will help kind of deter them from from doing anything stupid in terms of gambling. And uh, you know, this is the this is the uh, white glove approach. And, you know, if we see more guys get caught in, in the gambling side of things, then they're going to have to go with a harsher approach. So this is the NFL, I think, playing nice. And if it continues to get worse and worse and guys don't get the message, then, then it's just going to get nasty. But uh, good on Tom Brady for doing it. And hopefully the younger guys that are starting to get all this money and trying to figure out what to do with it, um, you know, they, they, they clue in and, and realize, hey, this is not something they should be doing. There's better ways to spend it and you don't want to jeopardize your career. Oh, yeah, I would think so. And, uh, hey, the Oakland A's dare to dream, but uh, they got a victory um, uh, yesterday. Uh, and more so, that you see, like, I don't know, where do you stand on these ridiculous, um, like, standoffs that are going on in baseball? I know it's become a thing, and, you know, now they have mascots and players with it. But, hey, I guess if you're in Oakland, you try to do anything to make the game fun because yeah. there's not a lot of fun nights if you're a member of Oakland. Yeah, if you didn't catch it, uh, there was a standoff after the anthem leading up to first pitch in Pittsburgh yesterday, and the uh, Pirates uh, parrot mascot was uh, standing in solidarity with uh, his bucko bucko teammates, and then uh, the Oakland A's won the standoff. Uh, One of the few things that Oakland's actually won this year, that standoff, they ended up winning the game uh, yesterday, Greg's. But, like, it's getting to the point, it's like, this is ridiculous. Uh, we see the guys with the standoffs in hockey, who goes off the ice last after warm-up. Generally, like, the Zambonis are on the ice, and they're they're chasing these guys off. But, yeah, I think it's silly. It's getting to the point where I think, you know, the umps might have to step in. And um, But, yeah, with, with Oakland, you know, you see things like this, and they're a franchise now where you're at the point where you're like, oh, my God, can you guys just worry about what's going on on the field? And so they win the standoff after the anthem. They won the game, one of their rare wins this season against the Pirates. And listen, Gregs, we've been making fun of them and talking about their situation, moving to Vegas and all that. And even that isn't settled. Like, they, they've switched sites in Vegas. Uh, it sounds like Oakland A's management is flip-flopping and, and the deal that's supposed to be done right now. Uh, it, it was being discussed in Carson City, Nevada, to, to figure out if they want to do it. So... Uh, this is just a, a cherry on top of the mess that is the Oakland A's. But guess what? You'll take your wins however you can when things are this bad, and they get a win on the standoff following the anthem yesterday. Even though the Pirates' uh, parrot mascot tried to get involved and tipped the scales, it didn't work. No, it did not. Tommy, uh, we got a lot of text people uh, in regards to the uh, the trampoline. Uh, did you ever go on the trampoline when you put the sprinkler underneath it? Yes, <laughs> that's the best. Today would be a perfect day for that. No, might have to. Well, I'm not going to tell him yet, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we shall see. I think we're on a, like a limit your water usage, so I probably can't be wasting it on the trampoline as much as I would like. But uh, I think he'll just be happy to have the trampoline today. So that'll be uh, that'll be good. I don't want to give him everything on the first day. Then you, you ain't got nothing to look forward to. So, exactly, we'll Greg. Good strategy. Good strategy. Tommy, have yourself a good one. Uh, we'll chat with you tomorrow. Adam and Greg. There you go. That's uh, Tom Gazzola in the Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical.
240 on a busy Thursday afternoon. Uh, when we come back, it uh, was big the news in the soccer world, uh, locally, internationally. We'll, we'll talk about that and more on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Rolling through a lovely Thursday afternoon. How are you? Welcome back to The Gregor Show. Someone at Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley, with you as we get to the uh, footy report brought to you by all tech supply strength through distribution, the only leading Canadian-owned master distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com. And uh, we are joined once again, Andy Petrillo on the show uh, from uh, One Soccer and uh, CBC. Andy, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. We're going to get to the CONCACAF uh, Nations in a sec, but uh, obviously the big story uh, right now in uh, in soccer, in North America anyway, is uh, mm-hmm. is Messi coming to Inter Miami. Uh, if you just look at their social media, they literally went from 1.1 million followers to 4.2 million followers in one day. So uh, obviously there's lots of people globally that uh, will follow that team. Now, their team's terrible right now, but... What, what do you make of this? Uh, how big of a coup is this? And uh, what kind of impact do you think Messi's going to make in MLS? Oh, it's massive. I, and I know a lot of people will talk about his age and, and being a little bit older and not where David Beckham was when he joined in 2007. Because to me, that's always going to be the big comparison. It was the David Beckham effect when he joined MLS in, in 2007 and the designated player rule came on in. To me... Um, A, it's just massive. This guy now is coming on in as a World Cup champion. You just said it. The social media is one example of how quickly things jumped and the interest suddenly in Inter-Miami from global fans. So he brings that global audience with him. Those jersey sales will probably equally be through the roof. Um, And then there's just other things that we'll probably talk more about down the line as we do case studies on them, right? Like the, the athlete who signed a deal to get money based on how many new subscribers come on to Apple TV in the MLS season pass. I mean, what other athlete really have you heard of who who bites into that when it comes to, you know, your broadcasting shares, right? That's usually something leagues very much protect and, and hold on to. But in this day and age of streaming as well, and it comes to subscriptions, is this suddenly going to be, you know, is this going to set a precedent here right down to Adidas and, and getting um, a chunk of money from, you know, already the, the, the main kit sponsor of Major League Soccer. So you already see these kind of knock-on effects of what it means to have a player like that join your league. Um, but from a popularity standpoint, uh, you know, this is, to me, it's also so important what Major League Soccer does with this because you don't want to if you even have him in your league for one year two years how are you maximizing this kind of star power coming into your league what is the knock-on effect like with david beckham we did start to see some other high-profile europeans come to north america because there, there, there was an allure there, and it was like, oh, Beckham, what, what's Beckham doing over there, right? And suddenly this became a thing for, for European athletes to show an interest in playing soccer in North America. So what will be the knock-on effect? Because something else you probably know of that's going on in this world, um, Saudi Arabia is throwing a lot of money around. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of competition for top athletes in this world. What is North America going to do? What is Major League Soccer going to do? to attract these guys, right? So now that you have Messi here, I'm curious to see what are they going to do from a marketing standpoint, from other kind of business deal standpoints uh, to attract players here because no one's throwing the money around that Saudi Arabia has. So what, what's the other aspect that you can introduce to these players so more will come on board? It, it will be fascinating to see kind of how it, it grows and expands. And, you know, we have a lot of people wondering, what would it take? Uh, you know, like Edmonton's got a, a great facility, and I know they're they're actually redoing the, the turf. I know this for a fact. And they're making sure that it's, uh, that it's, uh, that it's FIFA, um, you know, up to FIFA standards so they can, they can host games here in the future and, and different things like that because the, the turf that's there right now just simply, I don't think Edmonton, regardless of what they were going to do, I don't think they ever would have had serious, uh, consideration, but that's one. Where is like expansion for MLS? And, you know, do you see any other Canadian cities in on it in the next few years? 
That's a fascinating question because um, I think MLS is still very focused on American markets. And I wonder now, even if they did have an interest in expanding into Canadian markets, how does the Canadian Premier League now factor into that, right? Because the CPL itself, which is our only domestic league, you know, in, in Canada for soccer right now, they too want to expand. They too want to, you know, I mean, they they just put another team, as you know, in Vancouver, but sadly lost FC Edmonton. So, you know, do they want to bring Edmonton back? But will it be so in a Canadian Premier League form? Uh, we know that in principle they agreed for another team in, in Saskatchewan. So I don't know. Like, to me, that's an interesting question because now that the CPL exists and they, of course, want to expand, and I'm, I know this for a fact, they want Edmonton back. We had the CPL commissioner, uh, Mark Noonan, on just before the CPL season started. And, you know, we were discussing a whole bunch of things heading into the year. And, of course, we, we touched on how sad it was that the Eddies were, were no longer in existence, at least, you know, heading into this season. And, you know, we still don't know what that means. And he was, he, you know, he wants it back. And he kind of put out a call and said, hey, you know, wouldn't hurt if Alfonso Davies kind of threw his support behind you know, an Edmonton team here and whatever that support looks like. But uh, that is a fascinating one because I just don't know where Canadian expansion is when it comes to Major League Soccer, number one. And then number two, uh, would they explore it knowing that the CPL would love to jump into that market as well, right? So so I guess we'll see the dynamics of that. That'll probably play out in the next few years. Andy Petrillo joins us on the Sports Center TSN 1260. Uh, CONCACAF Nation League final. Uh, Canada basically going with all the big dogs. Uh, everybody is back. My first question, though, to you is uh, Atiba Hutchinson. How long do you expect him to, to like, what's the plan with him long term? <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know. Every time he plays, and I've, I've said this to people, every time he plays, watch, enjoy. Uh, because we don't know if it's going to be his last game. So to answer that, I don't know what the what the plan is here, because as long as John Herdman feels that he's an asset to the team, maybe doesn't have the legs to play the minutes that he once did, but still has the wisdom to bestow. So whether he starts the game, comes off, or he's, a, he, you know, he's on the bench and then is able to have an effect later, he still feels that his value in the, in the locker room is still very important. I would agree with John Herdman on that. Uh, there was some speculation, as you know, with the Gold Cup that's going to happen after CONCACAF Nations League. There's going to be one game uh, at BMO Field in Toronto. And there are some people with just speculating, just putting it out there, that they wonder if CONCACAF did a solid for Canada to have one home game because there's the a belief but that could be Atiba Hutchinson's last game, and wouldn't it be nice to have that on home soil and a proper send-off? But who knows? Like, I mean, there, there were people, you know, myself included, Jason, where two years ago, I was like, ah, I think he's going to retire soon, you know? And then they go on this epic run, and they qualify for the World Cup, and he's there. So I just, I really just don't know, but I'll just say anytime he plays, watch and pay attention, because we just don't know if that'll be his last time. Who, who do you see as the best internal replacement whenever he leaves. Found that, yeah, and I, I think they kind of found that already in Stephanie Eustachio. I feel like he's he's the one who the torch has been passed to uh, in that midfield. I think he's the, uh, he's the guy for sure. And then I think someone else who's a very fast learner and is coming through too is Ismail Kone. So he's looking fantastic. As you know, he just had one year pro with CF Montreal before making the jump to Europe and he's been honing his skills now in England so you know we're really excited to see his progression and you know how he's going to look as well in that midfield but I think I think John Herdman already found that with Stephanie Eustachio I mean even at the World Cup you know when he went down with injury you saw how quickly um, the team did in some ways crumble right like they they had this incredible effort against Belgium and then you know we're holding their own against Croatia and then Eustachio goes down you know, with injury. So you saw how crucial, you see how crucial he already is to this team. So I would, I would say it's Eustachio without a doubt. 
Okay. And um, you look at Canada now, obviously, you know, by being one of the, the host countries for the upcoming World Cup, that, you know, they don't have to go through the, you know, the same qualifying stage. There's been some concern about, you know, being ready and if that's a detriment at all. I'm not sure how factual it is, but I'm guessing they're just going to have to play different friendlies or other or other games to ensure that they're sharp and focused leading up to it, correct? Oh, 100%. And, and yeah, I mean... I mean, I'm I'm a little concerned. It's it's nice to know that they're going to be at the World Cup regardless because they're one of the host nations. And FIFA confirmed that even though there are three countries hosting, because at first they didn't know if all three would get automatic buys, but you know that obviously got confirmed. So you have this one moment of pure elation, like ah, oh, yes, you know they're in. So thank goodness. And then, as you know, as you just mentioned, as as an astute fan, you turn around and go, wait a second. So if they don't have to go through the grind of qualification, the benefit of qualifying is that you do play top teams and you do have to be in top form and you do have to be dialed in. Well, now that's not going to happen. They don't have that, which is why, you know, things like Nations League, CONCACAF Nations League, and then, of course, you have Gold Cup coming up. And then when you have these friendlies, like that window in September, John Herdman, that's probably when he's going to explore some new players, so there might even be some players in these friendlies in September that you're going to go, uh, I've never heard of these you know, guys. The, the um, you know, Copa America and being able to be in that competition is huge because that's massive competition as well. Um, and this is where you know, we're probably going to have these conversations, but I would, I'd like to clarify something because you know, uh, fans, and rightfully so, want to support their national team and they want to do it on home soil. So they want to see the Canadian teams play in Canada. So this is where I'm curious, Jason, to see, you know, what's going to happen. Because what people need to know, the coaches are the ones who choose the opponent. And the coaches are the ones who oftentimes choose the location. You know, and and I say that because I know that a lot of people are disappointed that, especially when it comes to the women's team, you know, they have their World Cup this summer and there was no game on home soil. Uh, Bev Priestman wanted to play in France in April against France. Uh, her argument, of course, being that the Olympics are going to be in France uh, and the Canadian women have yet to qualify, right? They have to do that in September, fingers crossed. Uh, but she felt it was more beneficial for them to be in the country where the actual Olympics are going to happen. Uh, Bev Priestman also wanted to get to Australia because, as you know, there was the offer um, to play a, a send-off game in June, and she said, you know, it, it means nothing to play a team that isn't going to the World Cup, or, you know, whatever friendly. I'd rather be in Australia. They're going to play England behind closed doors, uh, and they're already going to be there getting acclimated. So oftentimes the coaches, you know, not oftentimes, the coaches are the ones who choose the opponent and they choose uh, the location. So we can also sit and have an argument whether or not Canada soccer, you know, should push back a little bit more to their coaches to say, hey, listen, you know, this is still beneficial to our fans and, and why it's important to be on, on home soil. But Canada soccer does have to listen as well to their coaches and what the coaches feel is best for their players. And so in a long-winded way, you know, what I'm saying, Jason, is, you know, while they do have to find these friendlies, I wouldn't be surprised if the majority, if not all of them, don't end up being on home soil before the World Cup. Is that disappointing from a fan's perspective? 100%. Will John Herdman do what he needs to do to get his team prepared for the World Cup? And if that means playing European teams, but the only way you can do that is by doing that in Europe, then you got to do it, right? So it'll be fascinating how the next couple of years play out for the men's schedule. What about some Canada against the U.S. or Mexico games? If that ends up working out, sure. Um, again, you know, it's, it's not that easy. Oftentimes, you know, these teams, they play each other already, right, because they're in the CONCACAF region. So when they're getting ready for a World Cup, they want other opponents. They want to play teams that are from the African region because they just have different styles of play. They want to play teams from South America because they play in another different style. And they want to play teams from Europe, right, because they play Mexico. I mean, here's the thing. If Canada beats Panama – on June 15th in, in CONCACAF Nations League, they're going to face either Mexico or USA in the final because that's the other semifinal is Mexico and USA. Then comes the Gold Cup, and there's a good chance that they're going to cross paths again with USA or Mexico, right? So you're going to have back-to-back tournaments here where the men are playing teams in the CONCACAF region who they play on a regular basis. So they want the different competition 
because you see how different, I mean, you watch the World Cup. Belgium came at them with a completely different look. Then Croatia came at them with a completely different look. And then, oh my goodness, you saw, we all saw what Morocco brought, right? So that's why it's really important for John Herdman to uh, go outside the region for that type of experience. Yeah, and you know what? It, it makes tons of sense. I get why the, the Canadian fans would be disappointed. And I would think that Canada, though, at some point, just to get used to playing, you know, at home in your home nation, ideally maybe one of the facilities where you're going to play the World Cup, just to, you know, get a feel of how it's going to be at that specific stadium, I think would be, uh, would be something they'd want. Obviously, there's a few years for them to decide how they're going to go about it. But, um, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny that, uh, you know, the renewed interest uh, with the men's team being successful, the fact that they're going to host uh, some World Cup matches uh, in in Canada for the first time on the men's side will be great. And, you know, you look at the, the match coming up next week. I think it's just the, the excitement for soccer is building in the country. Uh, the women obviously have been very good for a long time, and the men are starting to make more of a dent, which will be great. I do want to ask you one last one quickly. Do you like mm-hmm. the new World Cup format? Uh, in what sense? Like the extra teams? Like... Yeah, the extra teams. Like <laughs> now you're only guaranteed two games, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the way they, they, I think they've gone back to, um, you know, making sure everyone can play at least a few more games than they originally thought they were going to play. Um, that's why there, this was considered a coup for Canada to qualify for 2022 um, because it's the last time, you know, before the expansion ends up happening. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, um, only because I, I can understand, again, from a global perspective that when you bring more teams on board, you get more nations involved, obviously, it means more money. But there's always the fear, and I think it's been proven in in some cases. You can even look at Major League Soccer. Some are already making the argument that the product is already too diluted with, you know, all these teams that have come on board and then more teams. And even their their product on Apple, which, by the way, I quite enjoy, um, but they're trying to do what they do in England, in the Premier League which is have the same days, right? So it's a Wednesday, it's a Saturday, and try to have everyone kick off typically at the same time. Well, the Premier League can do that because they have half the teams. So as a fan, it's easy for you to follow. In Major League Soccer, you have like 30 teams plus, you know, all trying to, you know, kick off at the same time. That's too much, too, 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 too much, right? So there is that fear of, 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 you know, a, a product being diluted. And I know we have that as well when it comes to the NHL and you're sitting there going, you know, do you lose rivalries? Do you lose like, now mind you, these are leagues and they play on a regular basis. The World Cup is once every four years. So maybe that fear uh, is moot because, you know, again, once every four years as opposed to a professional league where they, they play every single year. But we'll see. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I have to see it in action, Jason. That's, that's my cop-out answer um, because, again, it is just different. It's different than a professional league. It's once every four years. Maybe this just ends up growing the game that much more. Uh, and, you, and maybe we end up getting more Cinderella stories. Who knows, right? Like, who doesn't love that? Maybe we get another, like, Iceland and Euros. Um, and there's a greater chance of that happening at the World Cup because you have these other teams kind of sneaking on in. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Great stuff, Andy. Appreciate it. Always good to catch up. You have a great day. All right. Thanks, Jason. It's Andy Petrillo talking a little uh, soccer. I like it. Uh, but the Messi story is massive. And then uh, you look at the success of Canada. I get it. Canadian fans, you'll be frustrated if you know you don't get to some some lead up matches in Canada prior to the World Cup. Hopefully, it happens. Let's get to uh, the con man and a Sports Center update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one year on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer at LegacyHeating.ca.